0: I'm reading today from uh, John chapter 4. We're telling a story about a woman who doesn't get a name. She's just a woman, but that's okay because she's uh, very famous. And if you believe in Jesus, you'll meet her someday and you might be able to ask her name, so that'll be good. But first, I'm going to pray. Father, we want to give you thanks uh, for your word, uh, the Bible. And we know that. You speak to us as we read it, as we study it, and we pray that that's exactly what would happen today. I pray, Father, that we would get serious about your word, that we would let it affect us, that we would see how it changes us, and uh, that you would bless us and move us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, starting at verse 4 of John 4. And he, that's Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, that's about 12 o'clock, middle of the day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, but Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman, of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now we'll stop there. Samaria, uh, just to give you a bit of history, you've got Israel, which is God's people, but Samaria was sort of the northern nation and it had been taken over by other nations. And what happened was, is that the Jews got interbred with other people. So you could say they were half-castes. That's, that's basically what they were. And uh, part, part, partly the Jews wouldn't speak to them because of the, there was a racism issue. They're half-castes, they're not fully Jews. But partly it was religious for two reasons. Number one, the Samaritans in the north couldn't get to the temple. And you've got to go to the temple to have your sins forgiven, as they understood it in those days. So those people were kind of unclean. And also, because there were other races introduced to them, they were introduced to other religions. So these were a dirty people. You don't talk to these people. Okay? And this woman, who's a Samaritan, comes to the well in the middle of the day. Do you know, why, do you know that's odd? That's very odd, isn't it? You don't go to the well in the middle of the day. Imagine it's 40 degrees summer day, typical deer and bandy day in summer, not like today, right? You don't kind of go for a long walk to carry a heavy load at lunchtime, do you? In fact, what happened in that time is that the women, were given they, their job was to get water and they would walk to the well, but they would either do it first thing in the morning, just when first light, or in the evening. You don't kind of do it in the middle of the day. That's, that's hard labour. And that's, it's both, both as a job for them to do, but it's a social thing. The women would all travel together, get their water, they'd talk, they'd go home together. It's, a, it's kind of a, a good thing to do at the, in the morning and the evening. So why would this woman be there in the middle of the day on her own? And I think that's the reason. And we find out this a little bit later on what's going on here. But she's going on her own. Because she's an outcast. No one likes her. And why would you walk with, just, just imagine there's a group of women who don't like you. Do you want to travel with them every morning and every night to get water? I'd rather walk in 40 degree weather. Right? That's, not that I'm a woman, I don't understand that. But that's okay. <laughs> Supposedly. Uh, <laughs> no, Jody said, you don't understand what it's like to be a woman. So I went and bought a Holden, drove that. Now I understand. Um, oh, that's, <laughs> I shouldn't go unscripted, should I? No. <laughs> okay. Um, so this woman is an outcast. She's no, one, no one likes her. She's a Samaritan. She's an outcast from the Jews. Basically, she hasn't got a lot going for her. And that's why she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? A woman, you're not supposed to speak to Samaritans, you're not supposed to speak to women. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you if you knew the gift of God or what God, the gift that God has given you, that's what it's what Jesus is saying. If you knew what God has given you today, you'd ask me for a drink. Now, hang on, that's a bit. We're getting a bit circular. And I'll give you living water, which must be better than other water. Hey, better than water from a well. And the woman said to to him, and she's maybe there's a bit of sarcasm in this, but. Sir, so you have nothing to draw water with. In other words, you don't have a... I, I bought my bucket, because that's what you do. You hook the rope up, you pull your bucket out, and then you go home with your bucket. How are you going to get water if you're uh, so good? And, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us well. Sorry, he gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and in his livestock. What she's saying is, this well was dug by Jacob about two thousand years earlier than this. You can see, it's still there today, the Jacob's well. You can go and see it. But um, there's no other water around. So here you are. You're going to give me living water, and you 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 haven't got a you haven't got a bucket, and and there's no other water around. You maybe you know where there's a secret river around here, something like that. You know, are you greater than Jacob? Why Jacob? Jacob become Israel. He was was the start of Israel. Are you greater than him? Right. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty. Will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Obviously, he's not talking about water, then, is he? Unless there's some magic water, which maybe is how the woman took it, that, that gives you eternal life. Uh, but no, he's not talking about water. You see, the trouble with water is this, right? If, you have, if you're working on a hot day and you have a drink of water, it's very satisfying, isn't it? But an hour later, you need another drink of water. And an hour after that, you need another drink of water. You, you, you can't get full, can you? We need constant hydration. That makes me sound like I'm really smart if I use words like that. Okay. Are you impressed? Yeah, okay. When, anyway, we need water. Right, but, but he says, I'm going to give you water. And if you drink from this once, you're never going to be thirsty ever again. Now, I reckon everybody in this world feels like there is something missing in their lives, that there is something that makes them dry, that makes them like they're missing out. They feel, if you you took it word as unsatisfied, there's something missing in my life and I want to fill it. And I want to fill it with something which is going to give me eternal Pleasure, eternal peace, eternal joy, or something like that. And this world promises there are some things to satisfy, right? Aren't there? You get enough money, you'll be satisfied. True. That's what I'm not saying it's true, but that's what the world says. You get the right possessions, you have the right relationships, you have enough sex, uh, enough alcohol, enough partying, enough whatever, you won't be thirsty anymore. You'll be fully satisfied. It's interesting, you know, if you see uh, and and occasionally you'll hear the story of someone famous, a, a man maybe, who's had thousands of women, right? And rather than being satisfied at the end of all that, he's obsessed. His mind is only on one thing. He makes plans. All of his life is towards that. He's not satisfied. He actually, it becomes insatiable. As with any of those things. Yep. You have one drink of beer, you feel good. You have two drinks of beer, you might feel a bit better. So therefore, if you have 15, you must feel really great. Or 28. It doesn't go that way. It doesn't satisfy, does it? It doesn't matter what this world offers, it is insatiable because you can't feel the need that's in your heart. In other words... You keep drinking and you're still thirsty. And it seems like the more you drink, the thirstier you are. You know what I'm saying? Okay. There's a lot of thirst quenches offered in this world. Or there's this hole in people... And there's this thing missing, and so if you can't feel it, then you better start blaming something else. There's a reason that I'm like I am. There's a reason I don't feel fulfilled. I was bullied. I was blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was oppressed. I was, you know, I'm a victim. I'm a victim of something. And something's missing, and I'm thirsty, and I can't fix it. What's the answer? I can tell you the answer. Well, I'll jump to the end. Jesus is the answer. Okay, when you uh, come to him, he is living water. When you get him, you will be satisfied already without everything else this world offers. If this world says you need this much money, guess what? When you get Jesus, you've already got enough money. You don't care if you don't get more because the thirst is filled right there and then. He is the answer. And not only will that thirst be fulfilled now, temporarily, It is eternal. It goes forever. So if you are here today and you have a heart searching for living water, searching for that satisfaction that you know you desire, come to Jesus. Drink from Jesus and you'll get it. Okay, we're going to go back to this woman. This woman says to Jesus, Sir, give me this water. So that I won't be thirsty and I won't have to come here to draw water. Give me this water and I won't have to work anymore. Hey, that's got to be satisfaction, never having to work again, isn't it? Because every day you've got to go and get water. I mean, it's that's, that's, that's a hard life. Yeah. Oh, I think I found the problem with our lives it's work. Huh. Yeah, no, <laughs> not it. And here, Jesus changes the tack in the conversation and he actually, he's about to take it from this living water theoretical sort of thing floating up in the sky and he's going to go personal. He's going to get serious. And again, I would encourage you today, if you're just going along in life, if you're just going through the motions and you don't know where you're going and you're in this empty spot, today's a good day to get serious. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands and the one you're now with is not your husband. What you've said is true. Okay, I think we might have found the reason she's a bit of an outcast in the town she's in. She'd had five husbands. She'd been divorced five times. And now she's uh, living with a, a bloke who not, she's not married to. Now, just to give a bit of the background, divorce in that era, women got divorced. Women, would just understand, were a bit second rate. They're kind of like possession. They were, they were just above a donkey but uh, in, in worth. But they were kind of a possession, really. And... Um, and so, you could be divorced, a woman could be divorced, if she wasn't performing, if she was, if the husband was unsatisfied with her in some way, not meeting the expectations, it's like, okay, I'll get another one. And off she goes. That's humiliating, really, isn't it? It's, of it's, your whole being is saying, you're worth nothing. Uh, and it, it is... It is a rejection that guts the soul. And you can imagine that if you were a woman who had, had been rejected like that five times by five different men, what that does to to your identity, to who you think you are, it would kind of, tear the heart out of it. I'm just a nobody. you understand what I'm saying? And not only that, it goes along with this, this uh, sexual immorality. The thing is with... Um, Sexual sin is when you join yourself to another person and then that's torn apart, it it kind of brings a a personal uh, kind of dirtiness, uh, unacceptableness. It brings a lot of guilt and shame. What people use this word brokenness. We feel like we're busted. We feel like there's something about us which can't be put back together. Unworthy. Unworthy. I've been rejected. I've shared not only my life, but my very being with another person and then been rejected multiple times. So that affects a person deeply. You can't get away from that. Paul says that, that sexual uh, sin and sexuality runs to the deep, that deep to the heart of a person and who they are. And we know that's true. So that's why divorce is a very painful thing. Very painful. So now she's living with a bloke. It doesn't mean she's happy with the bloke she's with, but it's just like, you've got to live. You've got to survive. So I'm with him now. So I understand here, what Jesus has done, he said, receive me, there's living water. And then he goes, oh, by the way, it's true. Yeah, I, I know your situation. I've been married five times, blah, blah, blah. I, I know. He just, in two sentences, pulls all that out and exposes it. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. That's someone who's God's speaking to, speaking through. Why would she say that? Well, because you know stuff about me that I've never told you and I've never met you before. You just know that stuff. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. Okay, so she she's a perceptive lady. She gets that Jesus is a prophet, but why this strange question about Jerusalem and the mountain and blah, blah, blah. Some people say, oh, he's getting a bit close to the heart. She's changing the subject. Let's talk religion for a minute. But there's something deeper. Uh, I actually think this woman is actually pretty smart and she's going to the heart of things because, you see, Jesus is exposed in her, her sin, her brokenness, and that brings up an issue. How do I deal with it? What do I deal? How do I deal with the dirtiness, the uncleanness that I've got, and this sin? Well, the answer is, in those days, God had given somewhere to deal with sin. It was called a temple. You went there, and what, what basically happened was, you knew that you'd sinned. You knew you'd done wrong. And, and, and if I were to sum it up quite simply, it would be like this, right? So Fraser and Alex and the kids come, and they rock up at the temple, and and they brought a sheep a one-year-old sheep with them. And then what would happen is Fraser would put his hand on the sheep and he would pray. And what would happen in his mind is he's praying. He knows that Alex is a real sinner and Austin and... Uh, Teddy, where is he? He's hidden, hiding. And, and so he prays and the family's sins go on to the animal. Now, that sounds nice, except for the next thing. Then... Fraser would pull out his knife and he would cut the throat of the sheep because sin brings death right but what would happen is that is the death the sheep becomes a substitute and takes the sin of the whole family and then they go home knowing that they've been freed except for really do you know the truth that sheep didn't really take their sins doesn't work like that but it was symbolic, and it was symbolic because that whole ritual looked forward to Jesus, the one sacrifice who would take away all of our sins. Do you get what I'm saying? It had to be a man who died for the sins of men and women. And our sins were put onto him, and he died on the cross in our place, so he took all of our sin. So, But to go back to this woman, this woman says... You've just exposed my sin. How am I going to deal with it? Because us Samaritans, we've got a hill we go to. You go to Jerusalem. I've got to know the right place. And if you're a prophet, if God's speaking to you, I want to go where you tell me to go. And Jesus said to a woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation has come from the Jews. But the hour is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The time is coming, he's saying, when you're not going to go to some temple, you're not going to go on some hill somewhere. It's going to happen through me. That's through Jesus. You're going to come to him and you're going to have your sins forgiven. And once you've had your sins forgiven, you're going to be able to worship. You're going to be able to do what you were made to do. Because if we go back to all those other activities we say people do, they're actually all worship. Everybody worships something. You can worship sex, you can worship partying, you can worship whatever you like. right? Everybody puts their time and effort into something. But in the end, it is unsatisfying, it does nothing. But, a time is coming when you can worship Jesus, actually you can worship the Father in purity because of what has happened through the cross. Jesus has taken all your sins, you can worship him truly. You can be acceptable. Now, does that make sense? I'm living water, you're full of sin. You need to worship. You need to to come. You need to be cleansed. How can I do it? It's through Jesus. That's the same for us today. There's only one way that we can be cleansed and made new. Through Jesus. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Now, here's where you get. This woman knows what she's talking about. Because she's going... Hang on, you're saying that someones you can be worshipping God without the temple and without that hill, right? The Messiah, that's the Saviour, the one who's been promised the whole way through the Old Testament, he's going to come. I think she's got a little bit of hope in her heart that maybe something's about to be said that might help. He's going to be the one that saved us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He is the Messiah. He's the answer. He's the one you can come to. He is the one who will bring for her and for us full cleansing of deep sin. That sin that goes right to the core. He will bring a washing. You know, I spoke of the dirtiness you feel from sin. He will make you whiter than snow. He will wash it all away. He will do it completely. And he will repair what is broken. He will give you a heart of joy. Once and for all, the Bible says. He died once. Your sins forgiven once and for all, for every sin. The whole lot gone in one action. When he died on the cross What I'm saying is this If you're a person who feels stuck in your life If you feel stuck in your sin If you feel dirty and disgusting and beyond hope And you cover that up And you hide that with all sorts of stuff There is a way through Jesus That you can be fully forgiven Fully washed, fully white And when I say whiter than snow snow's really white If you ever go and see snow right? You need sunglasses just to look at it you're going to be wider than that. Don't get excited, anyone, because this is just nothing. This is not important at all, right? This is a, no, this is a joke, right? That was a joke, if you don't understand me. This is the most foundational important thing here. I'm telling you how you can be washed and receive living water that will take you through eternity and keep you eternally satisfied. And I'm telling you, there's nowhere else you can get it. So it's a little bit exciting, just a little bit important for your life. He just finished saying, I am the Messiah, and uh, the disciples just then came back. That's in God's perfect timing, they just arrived back. They marvelled or they were astonished that he was talking with a woman. There's something going on, but the disciples are writ smart... They, no one said, what do you seek or what are you, why are you talking with her? They knew that you don't question Jesus. They've gotten in trouble too many times for asking dumb questions before. So they just walked up and, uh, um, and uh, saw what was happening. Just step back here and have a look at this woman. Outcast, half caste, full of sin. Do you notice how much time? This is one of the longest in the Bible recorded interaction, one person to another. Jesus gave this woman a lot of time, hey? He really loved this woman. He cared for this woman. He he didn't just free her. He was freeing women from this idea of being second rate at that moment. God did that the whole way through, by the way, in the Bible. Did you notice that the first proclaimers of the gospel, of the resurrection of Jesus, were the women? God set that up for a reason. So this woman, is, you are not beyond God's salvation, no matter who you are. Do you understand? No matter what you've done, you are not beyond God's salvation. There is no one beyond his forgiveness, but there is only one way of forgiveness, and that's through Jesus. So the woman left her water jar and went on into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me, all that I ever did. Right. Come see me and tell me all that I did. They're like, yeah, we know what you've done. <laughs> we know you. Can this be the Christ or the Messiah? Now, hang on, that's getting interesting. And they went out of the town and were coming to him. In other words, this woman, who everyone hated or didn't want to talk to, or she was outcast, she goes through and says, he just told me everything I've done. He could be the Messiah. And they all followed her. Now, that's not just her, by the way. That's an act of the Holy Spirit. That's God working to draw all these people there. And uh, just know this, then, if you're a Christian, God can use you. No matter where you are or where you come from. Right? He's, like, she goes into the town, says two sentences, and the whole crowd goes out to see him. Yeah? God can use you, too. That's good, isn't it? Yep. Meanwhile, and I'm going to read this whole as one section. Meanwhile, so while she's gone into town, he starts teaching his disciples about what we might call as evangelism. Telling, you know, sharing the truth of God with people. And I'm going to go over this very quickly. But meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. In other words, it's, it's more to life than just food and water. As I say, it's, 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 there's deeper things. So the disciples said to him, said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In other words, there is something more important in life than life. It's Jesus. And, it's, and his food is to do the will of God. The best thing in life is to do the will of God. You want to feel fulfilled? Do the will of God. You want to feel full to the brim, even when you're hungry? Do the will of God. Do not say there are yet four months and then the harvest comes. Look, I tell you, lift your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. He's not talking about wheat there. He's talking about people. It's the time for people to come to the Lord now. The fields are ripe, even in deer and bandy. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may... Rejoice together. So the one who is uh, telling others about Jesus, the sower, and the reaper, and and everybody's rejoicing, and the one who's being saved, everybody's rejoicing together. What an awesome time. For the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you did not labour, others have laboured which you have entered into their labour. Okay, I'm going to tell you something really cool. You want to feel fulfilled in life? Tell other people about Jesus. You'll get filled up. It's satisfying. It's a good thing. Because not only are you encouraging yourself in the things of eternal life, the, the eternal water, the living water and the bread of life, others are finding out about it. It's an awesome time. Sometimes we can think, if you want to fulfilled in life, and we get start, we've got this great two words that people use today, self-care. You gotta have some self care. Gotta have some me me time. That's what it is. Me time. I deserve it. That's what we are. I deserve. I deserve this at the end of the day because I've worked so hard. I deserve this. I deserve that. That that kind of thing. Self care. You don't need me time. You need Jesus time, right? Because when you receive from Him, remember it said you'll get a. a, a a stream of living water that will flow up in you and overflow to others yeah, it doesn't come from you it doesn't come from sitting down and binge watching something right? it comes from him and it will flow you, through you and out to others and they will receive it too it's living water it's going to come out of you what I'm saying is this don't worry about the me time go for the Jesus time spend time with him share him with others and you'll have a good time You will rejoice, the sower and the reaper together. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That's what she went and told him. And many believed in Jesus. There was a revival in Scumbag, Samaria. All these people saved. Those people in eternal life. We'll meet them one day too. By the way, we're from Scumbag, Australia. Yeah? That is the ends of the earth compared to Israel, right? That woman, who was a nobody, became a spring. And the water welled up out of her and it flowed to all the other people in the village as she bore testimony, as she told them about Jesus. It's one of the first great revivals of of the Bible, actually, of the New Testament. And it came through some nobody woman who preached about Jesus. In Acts 2, just to sum it up, the Holy Spirit comes on the people and they all become prophets. That's my sum up. Yeah, It says in there, who the, the old, the young, the men, the women, they all become people who speak the truth about Jesus. The living water flows out of them. Ain't that cool? That makes you a model of prophets, which... That's cool. Yeah, happy with that? Some people are a bit unsure. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed with them for two days, stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we had heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. At first they listened and they kind of believed the woman. But now they believe for themselves. Their faith become their own. And he stayed with them for two days to these outcasts and they believed. Jesus spoke to the religious people in Jerusalem for three and a half years and they refused. In fact, they killed him. Religious people are really hard nuts to crack. When I'm talking about religious people, people who think they're good of themselves. People who are full of themselves. Yeah, They find it very hard to believe. There's this good thing, you see, Sinners find it very easy to believe Because they know they're sinners right? When you know you're a sinner When you know, yeah, I'm a broken person I've done all this stuff What you're saying is I know I've got no hope without Jesus And when you say, "Oh no, I've got no hope without Jesus You've got all the hope in the world Because you've got Jesus Because you've got everything through Him It's good to be a sinner saved by grace You don't ever want to be a good person Don't ever become that just know that you're always a sinner saved by grace. Then you'll own the testimony for yourselves. Life, if we were to be serious, our life is about worshipping God. That is the only thing that will fulfil us. In spirit, through the Holy Spirit, and in truth, and that will come only when you put your trust in Jesus. There is no other way. When you do, not only will you receive the living water, not only will you be satisfied, but it will run over out of you to those around you and they will receive it too. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would make this message real to us today. I pray that we would see that we are absolutely in need of you, that we are all only sinners I pray that you'll expose to us, as you did with that woman, our brokenness, our sin, our fallenness. And Father, I pray also that you would show to us the living water that's come to us through Jesus. I pray that you would show us the cleansing that you've done, the washing, the once for all forgiveness of sins, that we might receive it. Father, that we might know it and that we might live in all the fullness it is to worship you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.